video now? Well, I think it's video just because we haven't seen each other in what, like all summer, basically? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's been a while since I've seen your face and since you've seen my face. And so, so welcome back to Shea Wyatabi with Coretta and Andy. And we are happy to see each other's faces and for you guys to hear our voices. It's been a minute. It has. Oh, summer was crazy. It was, but it's supposed to be crazy, right? That's the beauty of it. Yeah, I love that that's the one holdover from childhood that just continues to follow you. <laughs> like summer is when you you have fun and stuff, right? If it's a good summer, yeah. I mean, I have a dog for the first time, you know, in my life. So my entire summer revolves around taking him to the dog park and to the beach. And not even because you traveled the summer, right? This is true, but then it revolved around taking him on a plane and on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But where did you travel to? I Yeah, I went to Germany, which was really exciting because I've never traveled with a dog before. And it was really satisfying to have a little traveling buddy. Oh. And I got to see my family and, of course, be careful and you know, be very cautious in terms of COVID-19. So it was a different traveling experience than it has been in the past, but it made it all the more wonderful to see friends. So I'm grateful for that. And then I spent some time in the Midwest connecting with my family. My little brother just started college. Oh, wow. Where at? MIT. Oh, he's fancy, huh? <laughs> yeah, I hope it's a really good experience. He just started classes this week. Hoping that he does have a good experience as well. Their dorms, I mean, I don't know all of the dorms, but at least in his dorm, when you go outside of his room, anyone is allowed to paint on the walls. So there's just like really cool paintings and murals throughout the entire that, dorm floor. That sounds dope. And like something that every college that institute, you know, that'll give like facilities managers something to do over the summer, just paint all the walls back to white. The off gray white that just brings sadness. Yes. <laughs> dormitory chic as they call it dormitory <laughs> chic yeah 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 oh my gosh. that's probably a real color somewhere i also travel i feel like we mentioned yes we did we had to mention my travel because the last episode of season one of shaywa adabi was me doing an interview with muhammad while i was in morocco so i hope you guys check that out yeah definitely go check that out that was exciting um we're really looking forward to in this season two don't worry we'll talk a little bit more about what you're gonna experience from us in season two we've been working hard preparing content for you um but one of the things we're really excited about is bringing more <laughs> from outside of the podcast to do some interviews or give you some insight as to how they actually make their language learning resources and hopefully that will be engaging for you and maybe you'll find an Arabic learning resource that you're obsessed with and that you want to follow up with. Yeah, or you'll just learn about an opportunity in your city that you may not have known existed before. Like for those living in DC, if you did not know, Sultan Qaboos Center does Arabic classes every year. They're now online because of, you know, the pandemic, but they do summer programs, school year programs, and they also do what they call a poetry and prose night, um, which I think happens like once a month or so. Anywho, check out their website for more information. 
it's a really, really cool place. And like learning about the Sultan of Oman is amazing. It's one of my favorite places to engage with, I guess, the more formal structured Arabic learning that is then supplemented with the podcasty, YouTube-y, personal person <laughs> providing information to a computer screen. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have amazing teachers. They have some really engaging teachers. And like you were saying, the, the poetry one, I went to a poetry session hosted by Sultan Kabu Center about Rumi. That was fantastic. Yeah, I think I was there for that one. And I think it drives home the beauty that is Arabic. I think for some folks, kind of like people look at German and hear it and they think of it as a harsh language. People hear, hear Arabic and think of it as a harsh language. And that is just not the case at all. It is a beautiful language filled with like flowery expressions as we learned uh, last season with Dalal and Amani. But just in general, some of the words, Shay, right? It's just, it's, it's soft. It's beautiful. You're muted. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, I was just enjoying listening to your description because it's so true. And that's my experience too of Arabic is, I mean, I'm a bit of a grammar, grammar nerd. I find the patterns so beautiful. You know, you see p- patterns in nature all the time. If you think about like a flower and all the different petals happening in a certain pattern, if you look at the Arabic grammar and maybe look at the, you know, a form five verb is always going to have the tafa'ala. And I just find it so beautiful once you start understanding the language and then using it to write poetry and using it to write prose. It's pretty mind-blowing. And I mean, I'm not a poet. And then reading what people who are poets can do with the language is stunning. It's incredible. Yeah. And like Rumi, it reminds me of Song of Solomon because... Rumi gets a little explicit. Um, <laughs> but, and so it's, it's, I think when you actually go into spaces where you're learning more about, especially the history and the culture, you challenge a lot of those narratives that see Arab countries and Arab spaces as these very, you know, utilitarian, conservative, not sensual, not in touch with nature, et cetera, et cetera whatever, you know, you want to put on it. And you find out that that's not the truth. You have to take your assumptions off and put on what is actually present. And I think that's the case whenever we look back at history and we look at what people wrote and how people lived and the art that they made and things of that nature. So I loved it. It's it's a great series. Check out Salt and Caboose. And speaking of checking things out, because I'm super excited to talk about my time in Morocco. It was amazing. I got to check out the South of Morocco. I went to several cities while I was there this time, mostly Rabat, but I went to Tizni, I went to Agadir. I went to um, a lot of the smaller non-touristy places. When I did my vacation, we actually stayed in one of the like smaller towns outside of Agadir called Sidi Bibi. And it, oh my goodness, it wasn't culture shock, right? Because I was ready for it since I have been to Morocco before. But I had never been to the non-touristy, more traditional places. And so I'm like walking around in a t-shirt and exercise tights. Nope. I, we were, I was on a budget. I like, we, <laughs> we were on a budget and we were like, look, this is, an, uh, this is something we have to do. I was like, I need a dress. I need a dress now. I did a dress yesterday and I got the prettiest dress uh, and it was, 
it was a little bit better after that. It wasn't, no one said anything. I just felt uncomfortable because I knew that, you know, in this space, what I was presenting is not what is traditionally presented here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the phrase, you know, when in Rome, or as my boss's boss, Marianne put it, if I'm a guest in your country, I follow your customs. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just amazing. And I think one of the things that learning Arabic and kind of being introduced in, in that space has taught me is that shifting to fit into the society that you're currently in, that's not something that's against you. That's not something that's against the culture that you live in when you're at home. It's just respect. And I think that we've lost a lot of that in how we live and in how we treat people from different countries. We've lost the respect for people of various cultural backgrounds. I think that's a really, really valuable reminder. And I think for those of us who choose to travel, or at least for myself, a lot of the value that I get is the opportunity to be able to learn, right? It's not to just go there and to, you know, to see like, oh, this is, this is different from who I am and somehow judge it or feel like I don't, you know, I don't want to really participate or, or learn. Like, I think learning is really the word for it. Like, it's not just about tasting food. It's also about learning where these cultures of food come from and how it's made and how it ties to the land and how it ties to the history, right? And the same is like with the clothing and part of me that's missed traveling so, so much recently has been trying to find that experience, but in my Mm -hmm. more local community, because I've noticed I'm very intentional about learning when I travel, you know, to Germany or when I was living in Jordan or when I was living in other countries. But now that our sphere has been constricted a bit by the, by the health crisis, I found myself trying to be intentional about that where I'm at. And it's, I think respect is the best word because I think sometimes as, as travelers, we extend that respect intentionally to cultures that we quote unquote chosen to be in instead of all the cultures that are around us all the time. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So I lived in the Twin Cities, as you know, for two years. Mm -hmm. It's an entirely different world in Minnesota compared to the East Coast. The culture of the Midwest, the culture of the West, the culture of the South, we have all these different cultural spaces in the U.S. that we don't acknowledge. And then we'll go abroad and be like, oh my goodness, culture shock. And I'm like, yo, please go to Alabama. You'll have some culture shock. I promise you. And so I I appreciate that so much. And I think that I know one of the things for me that I plan on doing is as much as I travel abroad, I also want to travel internally. I haven't even been to every state on the East Coast since I have been the dealt and like in charge of my travel. It's been like 10 years. (laughs) So I need to do better. I need to go and I need to see it. I need to explore. This country is gorgeous. Like I'd love to see Idaho. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love what you said we need to do better because I think there's so much to be said for just appreciating where we're at but your your profile always reminds me to strive for progress not perfection strive for progress not perfection and I think part of that is recognizing you know as an adult what are the cultures that I want to expose myself to and be intentional about and where can I extend respect in a way that I've learned to do through my study of Arabic right how can I extend that same appreciation and respect to areas within the United States. 
And yeah. not to mention Arabic speaking communities in the United States. Yeah. And I think the other part for me is also fear. We, as just like people in general, we won't acknowledge it, but we are scared to go some places. And I remember I had a friend ask me a couple of years ago, do you want to go to Montana? I've seen pictures, big sky country is gorgeous, but I was like, no, <laughs> because there are places that you are taught as, as a black person, as a woman, as someone a part of the LGBTQ community, as someone who is a minority um, presenting individual, you don't go here, you know? And I think that's the same thing nationally as it is internationally. I have family, when I told them I was going to Morocco, they're like, Morocco? You're going to Africa? Are you sure? And so I think we let fear prevent us from doing a lot of traveling. And I, I can't live that way. I've made a conscious decision to not live that way. And I need to be able to practice that at home as well as abroad. So, mm -hmm. and I think I, I, to your point, I owe that to my study of Arabic. It, it helps you confront a lot of biases that you may not even be aware that you have as you continue to engage with and learn the language and the people who are presenting it to you. And on that note, uh, we are so grateful at this podcast for all of the individuals and the teams who've worked to, to make incredible and creative Arabic language learning resources for those of us who want to be better and who want to just appreciate the Arabic language and love the fact that we can speak Arabic or love the fact that there is Arabic for us to learn, <laughs> but also that is available for us to continue having growth in our Arabic learning journey so that, you know, when you get bored, you can challenge yourself with a new resource or just find people that inspire you. And it's, a lot of these resources are free, although you know where you find the ability to support any of these content creators, you should definitely do that. So why don't we chat a little bit about what we have on our plate for season two, Andy? Yeah, um, so as we check out these free resources, <laughs> just kidding, but as we check out these resources and we kind of reflected on season one, one of the things that we wanted to do differently was the presentation. So in season one, we focused on one podcast. That's something we wanted to change this time around. And we really wanted to kind of highlight all the different ways that either we personally engage with the Arabic language, um, like myself through, uh, the, through the fairy tale channel on YouTube, Arabic fairy tales, or, you know, through recommendations from Alphuzeg's website, like that one that Coretta will fill in right now, because I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Basically, what we wanted to do was give you more, just a lot more this season. So I'll just highlight a couple of the things that we're going to do, but I'm not going to give too many spoilers because um, you'll just have to see what we come up with. And we're yeah. really excited to develop content for you um, weekly and make sure that it has a lot of diversity in terms of the instructional style and perhaps even the format, you know, whether it's Instagram, whether it's a podcast, a Facebook page, or like Andy just said, fairy tales in Arabic. So what we're going to be doing is really a collection of different resources this season to make it exciting, to make it fresh, and to make sure that you're getting resources that are interesting to you and that are always engaging to listen to. Yeah. And I think like while I did really enjoy doing the series, when I think of reaction channels, you always kind of see like a compilation of the reaction. You don't see them doing every single video or every single episode, depending on the length of seasons. 
because it gets repetitive. And I know like last season, I learned a lot, but I also said the same thing over and over. And that's only funny, but so many times. So I think you're funny, Andy. (laughs) Thank you, darling. But I'm like super excited to go into this season and to have like, to have picked out different resources, to have picked out different ways to engage, but also to be able to like sit down with my Arabic teacher from high school and sit down with other people who teach Arabic and have conversations so that I can learn more about the background, like you were saying earlier, about what goes into creating resources and classes and knowledge sharing in these spaces in a way that we just, we didn't get to do last season when we were focusing on one podcast, two series from that podcast, and that was how we structured it. We'll have a deep and enduring love for the Arabic we speak though. What a great resource. I know it introduced me to Coretta, so nothing else. <laughs> yes, exactly that. And Dalal and Amani's incredibly soothing ASMR voices. I still can't believe that I like ran into them, quote unquote, on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I do a reaction podcast to you. And they're like, ah, and I'm like, Oh, what a small online world. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I'm really excited to draw on for this season is the passion and creativity of people who teach languages. Yeah. I think there's a certain degree of patience, but also like really so much like passion that goes into teaching a language and understanding your learners. And I'm really, really excited to chat with them and maybe look at, you know, why would somebody even be creating this Instagram page? Why are they sitting down and sharing with their students and drawing on that to motivate ourselves, but also just to see what is out there and to elevate their platforms. Yeah, smaller and bigger. Um, One of our discussions was about Al Jazeera, which is a huge media syndicate that has Arabic learning resources on it because they want you to be able to engage with the region, with the news, and to see it for more than what Fox News says it as. And if you get that reference, you are totally a fluffy follower. But so I'm like super excited to just engage in these spaces and to continue pushing myself outside of the classroom. So I think we have given you enough little flavors of season two and everything that it's going to hold. But suffice it to say that I am certainly extremely excited about everything that we've prepared for you for season two. I'm excited for the many different resources we'll be highlighting, the amazing content creators that we're going to be reacting to, and of course, spending my delightful podcast recording time with Andy every week. So we will continue to bring the tea. (laughs) as we look for different Arabic learning platforms. And if you are interested in learning more about the Mina or Swana region, please do not forget to check out Al-Husaic. That is A-L-F-U-S-A-I-C dot net for articles, recommendations, and just information about the Mina Swana region that you might not just run into every day. And we will see you back here at Shaiwa Arabi next time. Thank you.